When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Pineapple Pizza Podcast discusses the histories, cultures, and beliefs of regions around the world. These stories often contain mature and sometimes disturbing content that may not be suitable for all audiences. Listener discretion is advised. Welcome to Pineapple Pizza Podcast, where we discuss mythology, cryptozoology, and urban legends. It's an interesting combination of flavors. Weird, but it works. Today's special is North American cryptids. I'm your hostess, Emily, and with me today, I have Ashley. Say hello. Hi. (laughs) And Lindsay. Hey. (laughs) I'll remind you about your lines here, ladies. I didn't know we were doing that way. I know. I'm sorry. All right. So this week, we're going to begin our culinary tour in Cobalt, Ontario, which for those of you who are not familiar, that is in Canada, where we can find a legendary Sasquatch. So I wanted to start off with Canada with some Canadian cryptids because I feel like so often we hear a ton about North American cryptids. Or North American. That is North American. Derpa derpa derp. About United States cryptids. But we don't hear... The ones under the hat. Yeah. But we don't hear too much about Canadian. And they have a fair amount, but they're almost... Almost all of them are related to a lake. Of course they of course. are. And I did two aquatic for my last one. So I thought, ugh, I can't do that again. So I had to find something that wasn't aquatic. So I found a Sasquatch. And this guy is, um, well, it's not technically, it might be. It's a relative of Bigfoot that's between seven and nine feet tall, and it weighs in excess of 400 pounds. So, it's a big boy. It's a big boy. And I only have two sources for this because the information was fairly limited. I was having trouble finding some information. I have BigfootEncounters.com and PineBarrenInstitute.com. So one of them sounds fancy. Uh Institutes. Guess which one? Back in September of 1906, a group of men were putting up the framework for a violet mine when they saw a large bipedal creature walking around the entire construction site, basically just kind of checking the place out. Question. What's a violet mine? Yes. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) I had to Google it. I still don't really know. Because I was like, like, oh, is that like flowers? Is it like a flower? No, it's some kind of mineral. I think I'm. I don't remember. I did Google it. I'm surprised I didn't type it up because I was going. I know that they're going to (laughs) ask. You know us. I do. Because I asked the same thing. I was like, WTF? What the heck is a violet mine? All I can think of is the color. But I think it's a. Are you googling it now, Lindsay? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. (laughs) I know. I was like, okay, thank you. This didn't really answer my question, but I'll just move on. So whatever this thing was, it didn't seem hostile. It was just curious. It was just kind of walking around. It appeared to watch them as they worked. The men never got a close view of the creature, but it was described as hairy and ape-like. And it was covered in black hair except on its head, which had a yellow mop. It was just yellow hair on top. So this earned it the nickname Old Yellow Top. I'm picturing a bowl cut. You should see the oh like the <laughs> depictions of it. Yeah, it pretty much looks like that. <laughs> yes. It's like a hippie hairdo on top. <laughs> so Old Yellowtop wasn't seen again until July of 1923, which was nearly 17 years later. That's when two prospectors were working up in the woods and they were taking test samples so that they could claim property if something was found. Sounds about right. Yeah. Finders keepers, right? Losers weepers. Mm-hmm. And as they were working, they spotted what they thought looked like a bear that was crouched down and picking blueberries with its back turned to them. So, of course, the smart thing to do is to try to scare the bear away by throwing a rock at it. Because, you know, bears are like, oh no, rocks, I'm terrified. That's a bad choice. Don't do it. 
Don't throw rocks at big things well, that could kill you. Right? <laughs> the rock definitely got its attention, so the bear thing stood up, turned toward them, growled at the two men, and then was like, you guys are mean, and ran away. So apparently the rock worked. If it was a bear, I don't think it would have worked. Apparently old Yellowtop no. wasn't in the mood for a fight. I know what it is. What, a violet mine? Yeah. Do tell. It's um, amethyst. It's like... Oh! oh that so, makes sense. Yeah, so it's like an amethyst mine. So gemstones that are purple or violet red in color. Uh, okay. Yeah, so Look mineral. you. Yeah. Finding facts. Did you have to dig You're through welcome. a few? Well, I would just like, what is a violet mine? Canada. Because there was one oh. in Utah. Because <laughs> there, there was one in Utah, and I wanted to make sure it was the right thing. So that's why I did Canada. The first time I read it on the website, I thought it said a violent mine. And I was like, what the heck is a violent mine? Are there, <laughs> like, passive mines? I don't get it. They it's just a bunch of rocks. Here, though, not Canada. <laughs> We'd have a violent mine. Yeah, Canada just, would be the friendly mines. <laughs> it's just full of ammunition and tries to kill you when you go inside of it. <laughs> Canada's is, uh, it's more polite, maybe slightly passive-aggressive. Sorry. Sorry. <laughs> when something falls near you, sorry. You <laughs> can just hear it echo down the hall. Down the- sorry, 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 sorry. <laughs> Are you okay? Hey, hey, hey. So one of the prospectors, Lorna Wilson, Lorno, not Lorna, was quoted in a North Bay Nugget article, which, by the way, I think is where I found everything from, because apparently North Bay Nugget was, like, the only newspaper in the area or something, but they were super interested, and they printed a lot on this dude. So he's quoted in the North Bay Nugget article. It was entitled, Pre-Cambrian Shield Man Seen by Two Prospectors. So this guy told the paper, It sure was like no bear I had ever seen. Its head was kind of yeller, and the rest of it was black like a bear, all covered with hair. (laughs) I felt like it's, it needed the. <laughs> I don't think hillbillies in Canada sound like that. What's a Canadian hillbilly sound like? Oh, don't you know it was covered in all this hair? Never seen such blonde on a bear before. Oh, no. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> uh, maybe I should have had you do the impersonation then. <laughs> Maybe next time, yeah. All right, I'll hire you out for my voice acting. There you go. Okay, so the men believed that whatever it was, it must have been an adult. And this is probably because of its size. It was so large. And that's pretty much all you hear about the prospectors. And then, what? <laughs> laughing for whatever reason. I was like, why did it think it was adult? Did it have a giant penis? Like, <laughs> <laughs> No, it's huge. <laughs> Not the... Old yellow top is huge, not the penis. Yeah. <laughs> we always end up here. It all comes back to dicks. Sorry. Freud! Why? Damn penises. Alright, where was I? You were done with the prospectors. Okay, that was 1923. So let's go to April 1947. The North Bay Nugget, again, publishes another article about the Bigfoot cousin, and this one is entitled Old Yellowtop Reported Seen in Coleman Township. And in this, uh, an unnamed woman and her son were walking along some train tracks near a town called Gillies Depot, which I tried to look it up on a map, but I don't think I found it. So it must have been like... probably since been renamed or something. Maybe. And when they were doing this, they, they saw an animal in the bushes that appeared to be large with dark hair, but a light head. And she told the newspaper that she didn't get a good look at it, but it appeared to walk like a man. So at this point, if it's the same creature, it has to be at least 40 years old because the first sighting was in 1906, right? And it was considered a quote-unquote adult then, so who knows right. how, how old it actually is. And then the last sighting of Old Yellowtop happened in 1970. And yet again, the story appeared in the North Bay Nugget. Good old, reliable North Bay Nugget. This was on August 5th of 1970. 
A total of 28 people were on a, a bus, and there were 27 miners and a driver. And it was heading to a graveyard shift at the mine, the local violent mine. When a, stab, 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 stab. The stabby mine. That's <laughs> <laughs> where you get all your best stabbing done. <laughs> That's why they call it old stabby. <laughs> So they're driving along, getting ready to go kill somebody in the stabby stabby mine when a large animal walked in front of the bus and it caused the driver to slam on the brakes. Almost, excuse me, Emmett. Are we going to see the butt again? No, that was Otto. That was a bigger butt. Oh. You might see this butt. (laughs) (laughs) I'll censor the bar for you. (laughs) Oh, Jesus, cat. Get down. Okay, let me back that up. They slammed on the brakes. Yes. So they're heading to the graveyard shift when a large animal walks in front of the bus and it causes the driver to slam on the brakes. And it almost sends the bus over the edge of a cliff. Nobody was hurt, thankfully. But the driver said that he saw what looked like a large bear walk out in front of the bus, forcing him to brake really hard. And the creature stood in front of the lights and turned towards the bus. And that's when the driver noticed that although it looked like it was covered in dark hair, it also appeared to have light shoulder length hair. A dirty hippie. A dirty hippie. <laughs> Emmett wants to be a part of this. Get out of here, dude. With bell I was like picturing this creature wearing like bell bottoms, uh-huh. just kinda like walking out of the bushes, like, hey man, <laughs> free love. That would be such a big footy thing to do. Okay, so this this peaceful Sasquatch with the shoulder length hair, the hippie dippy. At least one passenger on the bus also witnessed the creature. He said that he saw what looked like a bear stooped over in front of the bus, and then he said that when it moved, it didn't walk like a bear, and he assumed because of this that it might be wounded, which, you know, if it got hit by a bus, I don't care how big you are, you're gonna, well, unless you're a moose, apparently moose, you can't, you could hit them with anything, and they're just like, whatever, dude. (laughs) Here's the thing. I have a cartoon playing in my mind right now. Is it Invader of- Zim? No. Oh, okay. Actually. But it's a moose getting hit with an atomic bomb, and then the mushroom cloud <laughs> dissipates, and it's just standing there chewing. That's what's happening. I had a similar cartoon going in my head, <laughs> only it was like a nuclear missile just like shooting at this moose, <laughs> and then like it exploded, and he was just like... Whatever, man. And just, like, keeps walking across the road. That was my my cartoon image. Apparently, that's pretty much moose. <laughs> that's, that's how they are. Not Old Yellowtop. I think Old Yellowtop got a boo-boo. But a moose? Moose would come out. So the driver said that he heard, he'd, he'd heard of this creature before, but he'd never been a believer until he actually had this experience. Unfortunately, since so much of this happened long, long, long before people were carrying cameras around with them or you know they had phones there's no evidence aside from the eyewitness accounts and there have never been any other sightings of old yellow tops since that 1970 bus incident so it's kind of been assumed that maybe old yellow top died of old age based solely on the witness accounts he would have had to have been at least 64 by that time if not older because as you said you brought up the point that he was full grown at the first sighting. At least we assume full grown. So at the end, was he like old white top? (laughs) (laughs) They did say it was light colored. So I was kind of thinking if this is like an entire separate species of Sasquatch, there are probably more of them out there that have simply just kind of evaded detection. But he could also just have like a genetic mutation that produced his unusual mane. Right? Because, think about it, blue eyes are technically a genetic mutation. Mm-hmm. And at some point, there weren't that many of them. Everybody had brown eyes because they were cool like me. You calling me a mutant? Them's fighting words. <laughs> <laughs> I got green eyes, and those are also pretty rare. Because mm-hmm. I am also a mutant. Meh. <laughs> so you could be a mutant. There could be more of them out there. So, we don't, we don't know. Maybe they're just chilling out in the woods. I mean... Canada isn't that super settled, right? There's a There's lot, a of, lot of wilderness. Yeah. I want them to find like old red top, old carrot top. That would be funny. 
just has this massive curly fro on top of this shaggy body. So in either case, whether this is a mutation or there's some more from out there, it's highly unlikely that he's the only one unless he happened to migrate to the area alone. So there, if there, if he was a Sasquatch, there are probably more Sasquatches there. <laughs> That's sound reasoning. Excuse me, Ashley. I would like you to take me seriously, please. <laughs> Stare into my eyes. <laughs> <laughs> no, you skinwalker! Don't fall for your tricks. Stare into my eyes. I can't. I can't oh my god! On a side <sighs> note, I used to have a, a boss who had moved here from Canada, and one of my coworkers asked him if he ever missed Canada because she genuinely thought that's what it was called. <laughs> just looked at her like, what the fuck is wrong with you, chick? That became the thing forever. After that, we had to ask him about Canadian, and now it's, it's stuck. I thought you were going to say your old boss came down from Canada and they were a Sasquatch. <laughs> <laughs> no, he definitely did not have a yellow top. He didn't have any hair at all. <laughs> He literally had a hairbrush on his desk that had no bristles on it. <laughs> that was a joke. Plot twist. It's a wig. Solved. Ooh, maybe you solved it. I did. He's bald on top. He's ashamed of it. He has a wig. That's why he hasn't been seen since 1970. He moved south. Called it. Y'all are geniuses. You solved the mystery. Hey guys, I'm Abby and I'm Shauna and we're the host of a podcast called Anxious and Afraid. Do you love deep dives into true crime, the paranormal, strange history, conspiracies? Well, so do we. And each week we take turns surprising each other with whatever anxiety inducing subject we are obsessed with that week. Tune in each week to hear Shauna mispronounce words. Um, the guys on the lookout apparently asked for binoculars. Did I say that right? So the photos showed him and his colleague entertaining... <laughs> And listen in as Abby constantly asks too many questions. I was about to ask you a lot of questions. I'm glad that you interrupted me. Continue. (laughs) I would have told you to shut up. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know what I'm trying to do. Stop quizzing me. Okay, you know, I did enough research. (laughs) Let me just tell the damn story. Jesus. Continue. Episodes drop every Tuesday. Available wherever you get your podcasts. And you can also find us at our website, anxiousandafraid.com. We're always looking for new friends, so don't forget to rate and subscribe. So now we're going to head south to Point Pleasant, West Virginia, to find one of the most famous cryptids in the United States. Can you guess who it is? Is it the Mothman? It's the Mothman. So this is my favorite. This is my only other cryptid today because I really wanted to do this story justice. It's so popular. I wanted to get as much as I could information wise. And you'll see that when I list off my sources. Because it's a long list. <laughs> but um, it was just such a good story that uh, I, I hope I can do it justice for the people of Point Pleasant and all the fans of Mothman out there. So hopefully in the future I can cover some other stuff like the Ozark Howler and the Hodag and Jersey Devil. Whenever we swing back around to the U.S. Okay, so my sources for this one are onlyinyourstate.com, the13thfloortv.com, Britannica.com, allthatsinteresting.com, Wikipedia, web.archive.org, news.google.com, themothman.fandom.com, I misspelled that, Mysterious Universe, wvpublic.org, cnn.com, and mothmanmuseum.com. And that is honestly not all the ones I looked at. Those are just the primary ones that I pulled from. Nice. I spent a while putting this one together. So Point Pleasant sits smack at the junction of the Ohio and I did not look up how to pronounce this. I'm going to say the Kanawha Rivers. It's not, it has extra consonants in there. So we're going with Kanawha. I'm sorry, West Virginia, if I butchered that. And this is in Mason County, West Virginia. It's a tiny town that was officially established in 1804. And as of the 2010 census, it had a population of 4,350. So it appears to have shrunk a bit since then. So it's a tiny little place. 
That's about the same size as my branch university of Penn State up here. So it's small. Oh, wow. Yeah. Teeny. The early history of the town uh, is pulled primarily from onlyinyourstate.com and the 13thfloortv.com because I really wanted to get kind of the background for why people think weird things might be happening in Point Pleasant. So we're going to go way back to 1774. English settlers were trying to move into the region, but they were met with resistance from the local Native American Shawnee tribe. And they had a pretty formidable leader who was Chief Cornstalk. That's what the Virginians called him. I could not even try to begin to pronounce his his given name, and I didn't want to be disrespectful, so I'm just going to go with the, the version I can read. Uh, he led his troops, very well, troops, I don't know, tribe, very brilliantly in a battle, but the Shawnee ended up losing. And this battle, according to Britannica.com, is actually recognized by some historians as the first battle of the Revolutionary War. Nice. Because it was incited by the English. So they ended up going up against the settlers again in November 1977. 1977. Woo! <laughs> 200 years later. 1777. <laughs> Chief Cornstalk is secretly immortal. <laughs> Plot twist. He's a vampire. <laughs> you thought they came from Romania. They actually come from West Virginia. <laughs> so, okay. So they went up against them and Chief Cornstalk, his son, and two others were captured. Shortly after, all of the prisoners were executed. But according to the legend in the region, Chief Cornstalk put a 200-year curse on the land with his dying words, saying, I came to your house, a friend, and you murdered me. You have murdered by my side, my son, the young chief, Elinis, my son. For this may curse. (laughs) Sorry. Your face. (laughs) Sorry, I can't. I don't even do English well. (laughs) (laughs) For this may the curse of the great spirit rest upon this spot. May it be blighted by nature, its enterprises blasted, and the energies of its people paralyzed by the stain of our blood. And in the centuries that followed, they were certainly filled with what seems like an unusual amount of bad luck for such a small town. When you only in 2,000-something have 4,000 people, you have a small town, and they have a lot of bad luck. So in the 1880s, a whole block burned down inside the city, which, considering the population was probably pretty small, that might have been pretty devastating. Between 1883 and 1950 alone, Point Pleasant flooded 75 times. Oh my god. To be fair, they live at the joint, the junction of two major rivers, but they did flood a lot. I don't know. I would have said maybe we should move this to higher ground personally, but I don't know. Hey, that's just me. Is it a floodplain? I don't know. I didn't dig into that. I'm not insuring no. them or anything. <laughs> I don't. I'm not going to become a property insurance agent down in West Virginia. That's fair. Um, a devastating coal mine explosion happened in the neighboring Marion County in December of 1907, and that killed 360 miners. Jeez. There were also two plane crashes nearby, one of which occurred on November 14, 1970, and that's when Southern Airways plane carrying 75 people, including the coaches and players of the Marshall University football team, crashed and killed everyone on board. And this actually remains the worst U.S. sports disaster in history. In Point Pleasant. Not having much luck so far, right? The weirdest part, I think, about reading about that plane crash was I was going through this last night. And it was adding in some extra history. And weirdly enough, I was writing that portion on the 50th anniversary of the crash. And as I was trying to look up information about the crash, it's popping up with articles from yesterday. Oh, weird. About memorializing that 50th anniversary. So it was really weird and kind of creepy. And mm-hmm. it just happened to be the same exact day. Things that had come out literally an hour before I started doing my research. So that was weird. In 1976, a man walked into the Mason County Jail, which is located in Point Pleasant, and he wanted to see his wife, who was in prison for killing their two-month-old baby. Yeah. 
He ended up blowing up the jail with dynamite, killing five people, including he and his wife. Two years later, in 1978, a freight train carrying toxic chemicals derailed and spilled its cargo into the town's water supply. Yes, that's horrible. (laughs) So, Point Pleasant, uh, maybe a nice place to visit. I'm not sure I'm going to be moving there. It is a floodplain, by the way. I just looked it up. You are such a nerd. I know. (laughs) Well, I used to live on a floodplain, so I was like, that sounds familiar. So now let's turn to Point Pleasant's most (laughs) famous happenings, which occurred for just over a year from November of 1966 to December of 1967. So in November 1966, I think it was November 8th, I was dumb enough not to write the date down, a group of grave diggers reported seeing something massive fly overhead, which they described as a brown human being. They said that they had seen it flying rapidly from tree to tree. (laughs) I'm sorry. I just picture like... I looked at Lindsay, I'm okay. (laughs) I just picture like a naked man just going like with like... Like plain wing arms just like... Just like flying through the air. It's a very weird description. Brown human being. I saw a brown human being flying. How do you tell anybody that? How is that the description that you give? I don't know. But apparently, that brown human being sure shit was fast. It was rapidly flying from tree to tree. Three days later, on November 15th of 1966, the first official sighting of the one, the only, Mothman occurred. That night, two couples, Steve and Mary Mallet, and Roger and Linda Scarberry, were driving near the old World War II munition plant. Munitions Bombus. plant. <laughs> Bombus. <laughs> See, but that comes out in the next episode. They don't even know it yet. <laughs> I know. Sorry. See, Ooh. see, this is why I can't pronounce Native American names because I can't even pronounce <laughs> basic English words. <laughs> Munitions. The struggle is real. <laughs> so they were driving near this munitions plant, and it was nicknamed the TNT area. So Sounds sexy. Yep. That's what you'll hear it <laughs> all over the place. TNT area. There are literally signs that are sold. They're like uh, memorabilia that say TNT on them. Just FYI, if you go to Point Pleasant, you can buy a sign that says TNT because you can't get that anywhere else ever. Anyway, so they're driving in the area around midnight, and that's when they witness something really incredible. In the following day, the point... Uh Uh-oh. What? Was it a naked brown man flying in the sky? I'm sorry. (laughs) You... I know you can't. Emily just has this, like, half-smile whenever she makes a joke, like, oh, you can't buy that. <laughs> I just can't handle it. I tried to stare at the wall for a little bit. <laughs> because my jokes aren't funny, but at least my face is. <laughs> no, it's adorable, but I just can't handle you really do, though. You have, like, this, like, very specific <laughs> smile on your face. You do. <laughs> it's like a little smirk. <laughs> I was like, don't do it. Don't do it. Don't do it. <laughs> couldn't, couldn't hold it in. I'm sorry. I will try to keep my face under control. Don't. The following day, the Point Pleasant calories. Register ran an article. <laughs> Walter Cronkite. In the nugget. Walter Cronkite. (laughs) Oh, I'm all right. Okay. That was the cutest little giggle you should have (laughs) I love it. Uh, Come on, we can can do this. I like Jimmy Fallon when he gets the giggles and he can't stop. Just picture Carrot Top again, and all the laughter will die instantly. Picture Carrot Top naked, and the laughter will certainly die. (sighs) New problem. New problem. (laughs) (laughs) Damn it, Freud. (laughs) We thought we got rid of you. 
Okay, okay, okay. We can do this. <laughs> we can. We can. We can. I'm all right. So they saw a thing, and it was incredible. The following day, the Point Pleasant Register ran an article entitled Man-Sized Bird dot 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 Creature dot 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 something. Yeah, that's seriously the, the title of the article. Is there a question mark at the end? No, but there should be. Something? I'm disappointed. Yeah, I know. I was too. I was hoping for the question mark. I really liked this article so much when I read it that I didn't really want to trim it down because I felt like I would be leaving something out if I did. So I'm going to be quoting directly from that article, which can be found at the web.archive.org link in our show notes. Okay, begin quote. It was a bird or something. It definitely wasn't a flying saucer. Two Point Pleasant couples said today they encountered a man-sized bird-like creature in the TNT area about midnight last night. Sheriff's deputies and city police went to the scene about 2 o'clock this morning but were unable to spot anything. But the two young men telling their story this morning were dead serious and asserted they hadn't been drinking. I feel like that that's a good point to make. Drugs, though? <laughs> I mean, we're talking West Virginia, so maybe not. And this was the late know. 60s? 1966. Drugs. Maybe. Shrooms? Ooh. They do live in the mountains. Steve Mallett of 3305 Jackson Avenue and Roger Scarberry of 809 30th Street. It's really nice to go ahead and publish their addresses so people I can know. send I them their mail. I love how they used to do that. I love how they used to do that. It's like, go stalk this person. It's fine. <laughs> right? We don't care about safety. Forget you. Let's not only print their full names, but where they live. Nothing bad could ever happen. They described the thing as being about six or seven feet tall, having a wingspan of 10 feet and red eyes about two inches in diameter and six inches apart. It was like a man with wings, Mallet said. It wasn't like anything you'd seen on TV or in a monster movie. The men and their wives were in Scarberry's car between 11.30 p.m. and midnight, 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 and midnight. When they spotted the creature near the old power plant adjacent to the old National Guard armory buildings. The creature was seen standing on three occasions and was described as being extremely fast. It flew about 100 miles an hour, quote, quote. Were they clocking it? Mm. Sounds like a lie to me. Just wait. You'll see why they, why. Okay, so they did, they assumed that because it flew next to the vehicle when they were moving. It flew about 100 miles an hour in flight, but was a clumsy runner. Deputy Millard Halstead said he had seen dust in the vicinity of a coal field, but it could have been caused by the bird, he said. I'm a hard guy to scare, Scarberry said, but last night, I was for getting out of there. Okay, fair enough. They did just that, but the thing followed them. I'm just going to remind you this is a quote. They said it was hovering the car, apparently gliding, until they reached the National Guard Armory on Route 62. We went downtown, turned around, and went back, and there it was again, Mallet said. It seemed to be waiting on us. He said the light gray-like creature then scurried through a field. It also had flown across the top of the car. It apparently is afraid of light, Mallet reasoned, and maybe it thought it was scaring us off. The young men said that they saw the creature's eyes, which glowed red only when their lights shined on it, and it seemed to want to get away from the lights. They said it looked like a man with wings, but that the head was not an outstanding characteristic. What does that mean? Didn't you literally just say that its eyes were six inches apart from one another? That's I think like, that they're meaning that it doesn't have a big head. That's like a, a normal big size. space. That's that is big six gap. inches. Like that's that's a big head. <laughs> <laughs> Why sorry. are you But apparently so they weren't big. impressed. <laughs> that was not an impressive head. Um, I think it's impressive. <laughs> <laughs> You're impressed by the big heads, huh? Hmm. <laughs> Both were slightly pale and tired from lack of sleep during the night following their harrowing experience. They speculated that the thing was living in the vacant power plant, possibly in one of the huge boilers. Total speculation, guys. There are pigeons in, in all the other buildings, Mallet said, but not in that one. No vacancy in this one, guys. <laughs> I think he's saying that because there aren't pigeons in that one, that that must be where it's living. That's his reasoning for it. This is my house. <laughs> it's a fort. No pigeons allowed. <laughs> Puts a little sign outside. It's all scratched looking like the uh, 
Chick-fil-A signs. Yeah, letters are backwards, you know. If I had seen it while by myself, I wouldn't have said anything, Scarberry con- commented. But there were four of us who saw it. They said it didn't resemble a bat in any way, but maybe what you would visualize as an angel. The last time they saw it was at the gate of the C.C. Lewis farm on Route 62. What, the angel? Yeah. Glowing red eyes and an angel. Mm-hmm. And, Just uh, eyes that are six inches <laughs> away from each other. On an unimpressive head. So, like... Must be an angel. side of his head? Where are these eyes? <laughs> Is he like a horse? <laughs> Where are they? It's a horse. It's a flying horse angel. It's actually a Pegasus. Doesn't sound anything like an angel, but that's fine. <laughs> they heard a sound like wings flapping, and they said the bird rose straight up like a helicopter. <laughs> that's not how wings. Did work. anybody else picture the wings like spinning around like a helicopter? the propellers it just reminds me of um the animated hercules disney movie where the pegasus like puts his wings up and then yes. he does that move he does the <laughs> helicopter move and he like pulls himself up that's what i pictured i wonder if they were inspired by this article i was picturing the super mario propeller hats i'm gonna be honest i thought you were gonna say a, a moose and uh... <laughs> <laughs> I can be picturing a moose if that's what you want. The invincible moose hovered over the car with the <laughs> propeller <laughs> and giant wings and an unimpressive head. Six inches <laughs> unimpressed. <laughs> you can't stop. <laughs> I was holding it in for so long. I was waiting for my moment to be like, what? Six inches apart? That is not normal. The article continues. This doesn't have an explanation to it, Mallet said. It was an animal, but nothing like I've ever seen before. Are they going back to look for the creature? Yes, Mallet said. This afternoon and again tonight. Today, Scarberry said. But tonight... I don't know. And that is the end of that article. It was golden and I just I had to include all of it because I couldn't I couldn't leave any of that out. The unimpressive head. Helicopter wings. It's too good. I want a shirt where we like measure out six inches between two eyes. <laughs> six inches. And then underneath unimpressed. <laughs> oh god, people are gonna head. get people are gonna get the worst idea from that. It just needs to say, unimpressive head. And there's like a measurement of like six inches and two eyes. (laughs) (laughs) Unimpressed. (laughs) Hashtag unimpressed. There you go. (laughs) In the days that followed, Mothman was spotted by at least eight more witnesses, according to the December 1st, 1966 Gettysburg Times. So yes, I actually did look up these articles. Volunteer fireman Benjamin Enox and Captain Paul Yoder reported a very large bird with red eyes on November 18th. Merle Partridge, a.k.a. Newell Partridge, don't ask me why, I don't know. Nickname? I don't know. From what I gathered, he's gone on and done some interviews and that's like his TV name? I don't know. Anyway. He had a bizarre experience happen on the 13th or 14th of November, which was before the first official reported sighting of Mothman, and this occurred almost 100 miles away in Salem, West Virginia. Around 10.30 at night, he was watching TV when suddenly the signal went out and a strange pattern appeared on the screen, and then a loud high-pitched noise began. It was like this whining noise, which was described as sounding like a generator kicking on. I don't know that I've ever heard a generator whine. I'm imagining that scene in Dumb and Dumber where they're like, you want to hear the most annoying <laughs> sound in the world? That's the sound. I think you may have nailed it. That sounds pretty accurate. <laughs> Hashtag <laughs> nailing it. Well, then that would make sense because Merle's dog started to freak out. Yeah. That kind of a sound, a dog's going to be like, bitch. No, I'm cool. just picturing Mothman just standing outside his, his house being like, 
<laughs> Maybe he's out there singing. He's waiting for the partner. Mock. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Bird. Mothman was really just looking for a partner. Is anyone else now thinking Mothman's Jim Carrey? <laughs> he is a weird I could see is are his eyes six inches apart? No. His head no is No normal a- human eyes are six <laughs> inches apart. <laughs> okay. So Merle's dog starts freaking out at the sound of Jim Carrey. And, it's, and it starts barking in the direction of the barn, so Merle grabs his gun, and he steps out onto the porch and shines a flashlight into his field. And that's when he saw these two red lights that were circling each other in the distance, which he later said did not look like eyes. Because I watched, I started to watch part of a, a Mothman thing on Amazon Prime that was had an interview from this guy, and he said it didn't look like eyes because they were circling each other. They looked like two different lights. That's when his dog took off in the direction of light and never returned. Oh, laser pointers. Solve it. 1966 laser pointers. Yeah. Somebody Jim was just Carrey. being a dick out there. Yep. Jim Carrey out there like... <laughs> he was just... Yeah. <laughs> I can he's just, see it. He's just having a rave out there like... <laughs> woo! Woo! <laughs> <laughs> We solved it. We solved the mystery of Mothman. <laughs> Everybody go home. Story over. Okay, moving on from Jim Carrey. <laughs> so the next day, Merle went looking for his dog, but he the only thing he ever found were paw prints that looked like they were going in a circle, just kind of around and around near where the lights had been the night before, but they didn't seem to head off in any direction. Just the paw prints around and around. He said that it was very muddy there, so it was very easy to see the prints. But it didn't look like the dog ever left that spot. Mm-hmm. Never found the dog. Uh, when he heard of the experience of the two couples in Point Pleasant a few days later, he decided to go ahead and report what had happened to him because he felt that the two events were somehow connected. So that's why the, the one is considered the first official sighting, but there are others that were linked to it. Little more than a year later, on December 15th of 1967... One of the U.S.'s deadliest bridge disasters occurred on the Silver Bridge in Point Pleasant. The bridge was open to traffic in 1928, and at the time it was really really innovative because it used an I-bar link suspension system instead of the traditional system, which was like a wire cable. And this was a really innovative feature, but this is the exact feature that would fail out of sight of inspectors at about 5 p.m. on that very fateful day. At that time, the 1,460-foot bridge, or 445 meters for those across the pond, it was really jammed with rush hour traffic. And when the failure happened, the I-bar gave way, the entire bridge collapsed in less than 20 seconds. It was just gone. And it sent 31 vehicles into the river below, which I believe was the Ohio River. That's what it crossed. Of the 67 people that fell into the water, only 21 survived. So 46 lives were lost, and they were lost in some really, truly horrific ways that I'm not going to detail because it was just really sad, terrible deaths. Because this happened so shortly after the strange Mothman sightings, people really quickly connected the two events. And in 1975, author John Keel published his infamous book, The Mothman Prophecies, which was, of course, later turned into a movie. Interestingly, a writer for an Athens, Ohio newspaper, her name was Mary Heyer, she lived in and reported from Point Pleasant. So even though the newspaper came out in Athens, Ohio, she reported on a lot of stuff that happened in Point Pleasant. And in the year from 1966 to 1967, she reported hundreds of UFO sightings. Apparently, she was really trusted people would go to her and tell her about these strange things that they had seen. Over one weekend alone, she received more than 500 reports of UFOs in the area. Dang. Yeah. So, very strangely, about a month before the collapse of the bridge, John Keel, the author of The Mothman Prophecies, who happens to be really good friends with Mary, wrote what some feel was kind of a prophecy of the disaster that was going to happen. 
In his messages to her, he wrote, quote, Mary, I have good reasons for suspecting that there may soon be a disaster in the Point Pleasant area, which will not seem to be related to the UFO mystery. A plant along the river may either blow up or burn down. Possibly the Navy installation at Point Pleasant will be the center of such a disaster. A lot of people may be hurt. If this should happen, notify me as soon as you can and write the story normally. Don't even hint to anybody anything about this. So he sent that to her just a few weeks before the collapse. Personally, I think it's really easy for people to look back on something and say, look, look, this was a prediction. But people have feelings of dread all the time. All the time. Some play out, most of them never do. So I personally don't believe that this prophesied the disaster, especially because it didn't have anything to do with the bridge. Exactly. That's a completely different thing that he's predicting. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, and if you think about it, there was so much that was going on with those UFOs, there would be reason to feel like there's something strange going on. You've got the Mothman and a crap ton of UFO sightings. You're probably feeling like there's something really weird happening. Right? Mm-hmm. Somebody poisoned the water hole and they're all hallucinating. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, people do that all the time with, like, Nostradamus. They go back and say, oh, he predicted this. Oh, he predicted that. Well, his stuff is so vague. Mm-hmm. And it's it like happens. horoscopes. It is. And then, oh, it's a prediction. They, they foresaw all this stuff. No, they didn't. You're just fitting it to. It's hundreds of years later. This... Granted, was a month later, but there was a lot going on. There was reason to be freaked out at the time. It would be like, um, gosh, in January of this year, when we first got our first cases of COVID in the U.S. going, I feel like we're going to end up with a major outbreak here. I think it's going to be a pandemic. I think it's officially going to take over the country. Well, duh. Or like when, I can't remember if National Enquirer still does it, but they used to publish things like, oh, in the year, blah, 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 all all these 10 things are going to happen. And it, they're like super vague, you know, like mm-hmm. this country's going to go to war with this country and this thing's going to happen and blah, blah, blah. And it's like, well, chances are there isn't going to be a war in that country because those countries are always fighting. Mm-hmm. So like, it's, it's always like super vague, like, yeah, it's probably going to happen type of stuff. Or every year is predicted to be the worst hurricane year. This happened to be the year that was the worst hurricane year. But I don't know if you guys remember last year, they thought it was going to be the worst one in history. And it didn't. It wasn't. <laughs> this year sure was. And people are going to be like, they predicted it. Yeah, they've been predicting it for years. Anyway, so that's my little spiel about prophecies. Not a fan. In 2002, Kiel's book was made into the blockbuster movie starring Richard Gere, which really reignited interest in the mystery of the Mothman. And in 2003, the first Mothman festival was held and the 12-foot-tall Mothman statue was erected in the middle of town. Have you guys seen pictures of this Mothman statue? Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, that's cool. It is uh, definitely an impressive figure. Have you seen the backside of this thing? No. No. <laughs> okay, so this thing is huge. It has these big, red, bejeweled, googly eyes on the side of the head. It would make you very happy, Lindsay. See? Side of the head. Yep. And it has these big butterfly-like wings, which are not moth-like. They're very different. Moth wings lay flat. Butterfly wings go back. Come on, guys. Get your shit together. They're both lepidoptera, but come on, man. It has a six-pack. And then if you go around... Yeah. It's, like, ripped. But no genitalia. Alright. It's butt naked. No genitalia. Six-pack. But if you go around back... This, this whole thing is this polished steel, and these butt cheeks are like, butt cheeks. I'm <laughs> looking at a back in the so middle it's of a town. Ken doll. With oh, googly damn. eyes. Eyes on yes, the side. And it's then got a huge ass, huge ass ass crack. That's a pretty impressive butt, though, isn't it? He's got some badonk, some junk in his trunk. The face kind of reminds me of the movie The Fly. He's got, like, dreadlocks. Have you seen that? I've and they like, seen, yeah, it's a weird looking thing, isn't it? Yeah. But people weird. flock to see this thing. Here, do you want to see a picture, Ash? I can show you. Sure. Me and fun. he's got like, he's got like chicken feet. I love how they gave him chest hair too. That's nice. Did they? I no, didn't even notice that. Oh yeah, they did. <laughs> he's got no genitals, but I mean, chest hair. Oh, I want to share this, but I don't know that you're going to be able to see it that well. I'll give it a try. It's okay. I can probably Google it. They really brought uh, Buns of Steel to uh, to life. 
Oh my god. Look at that. <laughs> but it's got those some nice firm cheeks. Anyway, so that's Mothman statue. Okay. Then in 2006, the Mothman Museum opened up adjacent to the statue, and it's boasting loads of memorabilia, including the original police depositions with the witnesses' handwritten testimonies, which I thought was pretty cool. So what could possibly explain what so many people have witnessed, and could it possibly be a messenger of doom? So one local wildlife biologist and professor at WVU, Dr. Robert Smith, told reporters at the time of the sightings that he thought people were likely seeing a sandhill crane. And this is a really large white bird that's not native to the area. There are a few of them that make their way into the area, but they're not native. So it probably wouldn't have been terribly recognizable to people who live there. And this thing is about the same size as a man. It has red rings around its eyes, and it has a 7 to 10 foot wingspan. So it's like a white to sometimes a dirty brown. It's a big bird. Do you think that head is unimpressive? I also don't think that's six inches apart, though. That's an unimpressive head. That's boring. Look at your boring, tiny head. <laughs> but they have that big wingspan. Yeah. And the funny feet. So, that's what that professor thinks, and it seems like a pretty logical explanation. But who cares about logical? That's boring. Other explanations range from large owls to animals mutated by toxic waste from the old munitions factories. And still others speculate that it may have actually been alien visitation, which is probably linked to all those UFO sightings that happened around the same time. And then, of course, there is the classic mass hysteria. Well, yeah. Since the original sightings, the Mothman's been spotted all over the U.S. and all over the world. There are kind of, there's mythos or there are cryptids in other countries that are really closely linked to Mothman. Like, there's an Owlman in uh, England. I didn't know about that one. Mm -hmm. I didn't know about it until I was looking this up. But uh, Mothman's been spotted in, like, Illinois, Indiana, I think, Wisconsin, Michigan. It's been, it's just everywhere. There was a rumor that he was spotted in Minneapolis before the 35W bridge collapse. Oh, I'm not surprised about that, yeah. It, he has been linked to a lot of disasters like that. Some of them include Chernobyl in 1986, the Russian apartment bombings in 1999, which I don't remember those, and I'm surprised, but apparently it was pretty bad. I looked I it up. Those either. It was like four apartment buildings were bombed, and it killed a lot of people. I don't remember that, though. Probably because it was Russia. Yeah. The 9-11 terror attacks in 2001, the Mexican swine flu in 2009, and the Fukushima nuclear disaster in 2011. I remember that, yeah. Yeah, I remember that one too. And there were at least 55 sightings reported over a six-year period just in Chicago. 55 sightings from 2011 to 2017. Hmm. So watch out, Chicago. Something's going to happen. I looked, but I did not see anything linking Mothman to the to 2020 and all the crap that's happened. Because I thought that would be interesting to include. But I did not find anything that linked Mothman to 2020, which I thought was kind of a little disappointing. You're going to link him to all these other things. But I maybe some people will say that, you know, the large number of sightings in Chicago, because that was such a large number. Maybe that was kind of foretelling something that was about to happen. I don't know. But was so, he wearing a mask? Probably not. Let's see. Yeah. I would think that would pop up. Gee, Mothman, are you afraid of germs all of a sudden? So do you guys believe in Mothman? I don't. I want to believe, just because it sounds really cool. Yeah. I just like the idea of Mothman. I agree. It looks, from everything that I found, Mothman never hurt anybody. The only the only potential being that was ever lost or injured might have been the dog. Mm -hmm. But aside from that, Mothman never hurt anybody. It just scared the tar out of some people. No. I always thought Mothman was really interesting, and I've been wanting to cover him on my other show for a while and haven't gotten to, so I was really excited to get to do this one. And So that is Mothman. I dig it. Do the six inches thing again. Me? <laughs> six inches! <laughs> Bulbous. <laughs> Bulbous. 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 Six inches! <laughs> 
unimpressed. <laughs> unimpressive head. Very unimpressive. <laughs> Six inches. <laughs> I'd like to see your manager. This head is very unimpressive. <laughs> The eyes are too close together. I wonder if that's why all the depictions of Mothman always have this really tiny little head. Maybe. Because it was so unimpressive. Yeah. Poor guy. Forever goes down in history as tiny head dude. With big eyes. And his rippling abs. No joke. Those butt cheeks too, man. His sweet ass. (laughs) I feel like people go there just to see the butt cheeks. (laughs) Just to like put their fingers in the crack. Me. I just picture somebody, like, bouncing quarters off its butt, just being like, bing, bing. Drinking game, bounce the quarter under the cup. Playing beer pong with his butt cheeks. (laughs) This is how we remember Mothman, and we appreciate him. Don't sexually harass a (laughs) statue. Don't do it. Statues have rights, too. <laughs> so, did you guys have anything good happen this week? I don't know. I guess if you count fixing my computer freezing and making me lose a whole bunch of pages in a very short amount of time, good, then yes, but the first part of it sucked. That was impressive that you managed to pull that out for your show. Yeah. Man props. I wouldn't have done it. I would have been like, nope, we'll do another yeah. episode some other time. <laughs> I cried a couple minutes. I bet. Very upsetting. But you pulled it out. Yeah. It's because you're brilliant. That's what she said. (laughs) But you pulled it out. (laughs) Six inches. Six inches. (laughs) Unimpressed. (laughs) Unimpressive head. Sounds like a deep throating issue. Unimpressive head. Oh, God. Every time she says unimpressive head, I'm like, Someone needs to be taught some things. That's all I have to say. You gotta cup the balls. Preach it! (laughs) (laughs) Oh my god. Okay, so Lindsay, have you had anything? Nothing super exciting. Um, Probably the most exciting thing that happened to me this week was I started a higher dose of my meds, and they seemed to be helping, so... That's good. That's a good thing. Hooray, mental illness. Aw. And meds to fix it. (laughs) Hooray, meds. Hooray, modern medicine. (laughs) (laughs) I'm glad I'm not in a mental institution. (laughs) Me too. Because it's not hysteria. Do you think they'd let you podcast from there? Because that would be glorious. Would be pretty cool. Probably be very echoey. There'd be a lot of background noise, <laughs> lots of screaming. Well, you'd certainly get your listeners' attention. Why is this podcast so loud? <laughs> <laughs> do I hear voices? Yes, you do. Six inches. Six inches. <laughs> I swear to God, I'm going to hear that in my sleep tonight. <laughs> She's going to wake up tomorrow morning. T- to morning. Wow. She's going to wake up tomorrow morning and just sit straight up in bed like six inches. The only problem with that is I've never woken up and immediately sat straight up because I'm always like, wake up, look at the time, groan. (laughs) You just roll over and you're like, six inches. And then when you roll over again, you're like, unimpressive head. (laughs) Well. Get out your giant board. Get out my gigantic board. Unimpressive. Get out your unimpressive board. Thank you for visiting our beautiful pizzeria and enjoying a slice of Mothman booty. Well, okay, North American cryptids. But more specifically, Mothman booty, because everybody wants a slice of that. Pineapple Pizza Podcast. Sweet and cheesy. Not everyone understands our awesome, but we're sure glad you do. Question mark. Never gets old. I <laughs> held it together. together. <laughs> to the wall! <laughs> if you're enjoying the show and you'd like to help support us, check out our Tee Public shop for some amazingly fun and funny merch. Or if you want to do a one time donation, you can do that on buymeacoffee.com and buy us a fresh slice because we can never get enough. 
of basically anything, if we're being honest. If you absolutely love the show and you want to check out some fantastic bonus content, you can become a donor on Patreon and earn all kinds of amazing benefits. We have three tiers to accommodate almost any budget. The $3 Mythbuster, $7 Cryptid Hunter, and $15 Storyteller. Become a patron today and start enjoying all the perks and extra content right away. Don't forget, you can find us on Twitter and Instagram at pineapppizzapod. That's pineapppizzapod. You can also send us questions, comments, and topic ideas at pineapppizzapod at gmail.com. Remember, there's the two P's in app. Otherwise, you're emailing someone else, and I don't want to be held responsible for that. Thanks for stopping in for some deliciously weird morsels. And just remember, no matter how you slice it, you're awesome. And we love you.